I want me some glory hope. Welcome to the Football Glory Hole Podcast. We listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, or on iHeartRadio. We thank each and every Glory Hole Seeker for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Bo Sebas, and unfortunately, I am not joined on the sports patio by my good buddy, Longhorn. Uh, this is the first time, this is episode 112, first time in 112 episodes, I will not be joined. And guys, the reason is... Uh, you know, we tried to record last night, but Longhorn had a little too much to drink, as he does tend to do, and he actually fell off the sports patio and died on impact. Uh, sorry to report. I'm actually looking at his dead, bloated body right now, as I'm still on the sports patio, and he did shart in his jean shorts, or jorts, as you would call them, after he unfortunately passed away. Now, you'd be wondering, you know, well, Bo Sebas, why didn't you help him? Why didn't you move him? I mean, people, I'm a busy guy, right? I got shit to do, you know, a lot of numbers to crunch. We got money to fucking win. And as they say, the show must go fucking on, baby. So I'm going to try to get through this by myself the best I can. So be patient with me. Uh, you know what? And we'll go ahead and go through... My buddy always has an entertaining story or something to lead off the podcast with. And then, uh, you know, he'll tell you that uh, whether you're here for the funny. It's a quest for fun. I'm going to have fun and you're going to have fun. We're all going to have so much fucking fun. We'll need plastic surgery to remove our goddamn smiles. You'll be whistling symphony doodah out of your assholes. Are you here for all that goddamn money? Anybody tells you money's the root of all evil doesn't fucking have any. They say money can't buy happiness. Look at the fucking smile on my face. Ear to ear, baby. You have definitely come to the right place. Now, I got two questions for you. Do you like football? What a stupid question that is. What a stupid question. You ask a lot of stupid questions. Hey, Mr. President, instead of being so condescending to me, why don't you get your old fat orange ass out of the fucking way so, you know, DeSantos or somebody can actually lead us in a fucking good direction. How about that? Uh, Oh, yeah, do you like money? I'm a big fan of money. I like it. I use it. I have a little. I keep it in a jar on top of my refrigerator. I'd like to put more in that jar. That's where you come in. That's right, Adam Sandler. That is where we come in. And we know you guys fucking love money. And if you've signed up for any of our packages, you know you've been winning fucking money. If you sign up for the bowl season package, holy shit, did you come out like a fucking bandit. And in NFL, we have been hotter than the inside part of the thighs of fucking Lizzo. Like fucking scorching hot. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I honestly think that that's why she wears such loose-fitting clothing. It's not that she really enjoys showing her big fat ass that looks like the fucking side of the ball retriever at fucking uh, Top Golf. There, it's just because you know, man, the amount of friction. I mean, there's no amount of baby powder in the world that can stop the fucking friction. Between the thighs of that two-ton Tessie Vixen. I promise you fucking that. <laughs> fat, fat ass, fat, fat ass! 
All right, boys and girls, you got to go to thefootballgloryhole.com to get all the picks. You know where to get them. You know how to sign up. And if you don't, just go there and find out. But uh, you know the drill by now. We're going to make you laugh. <laughs> Zero doubt that I will make you cringe. Holy Santa Claus shit. And, of course, we're going to make you all, again, all that motherfucking money, baby. Woo! Woo! Love that money. Now, tonight, I am drinking a very special beer. It's called Love Street by Carbrock Brewery in Houston, Texas. That's Houston with an H. Some people really struggle to pronounce the H in the word Houston. Not naming names, but some people do struggle with it. Three out of five stars, very good blonde beer, and I'm drinking it tonight because, uh, you know what? I got to confess, I'm in love. Uh, Cupid's arrow has struck my heart, and I'm here to confess that I'm in love with football, and I'm in love with betting football, and I am in love with winning our clients money, and I'm also in love with big city living and a voodoo woman named Phyllis. So if you got that reference, you're definitely a fan of ours. Uh, It really doesn't get much better than that, except that it does, because it's fucking playoff time, baby! Oh my god, finally. Finally, we get to the fucking playoffs. Get rid of all these fucking shit crap teams. And I know uh, Longhorn hates when I say things like this on the podcast, but I don't get that excited about the NFL. Honestly, week to week, it's pretty much just a math equation, and we put out numbers, and we win more than we lose. Not that exciting to me. I love college football, but this time of year, I do love the NFL because anything, and I mean fucking anything, can and will happen. So let's go to the playoffs right now. Let's get into the podcast. I'm going to go over the good, the bad, and the are you fucking kidding me? We're going to go in the air tonight. We're just a little special edition. We're going to recap our preseason predictions by division, by record, or as we actually like to call it, it's an annual segment. It's called Where Bo Sivas Was Right and Where Longhorn Was Fucking Wrong. And we're going to go over every, and I do mean every, playoff game in the air tonight. We're going to give out free picks. We're going to get you paid. Of course, of course we're going to get you paid. But first, we got to get paid. And to do that, here is this week's sponsor. This week's podcast is sponsored by Cock Diesel. Well, it's no secret that here at FGH, our audience is mostly men or women that identify as men or however the fuck all that works. And because of that, we have been chosen to be the new exclusive advertisers of a new penis enlargement company called Cock Diesel. Cock Diesel is a revolutionary new company with one goal in mind. To make your member the size of a California red oak timber. And with their patent and proven methods, they will do just that. How does it work, you might ask? Well, I'll tell you. First, they measure your pleasure with a confidential in-home meeting. And from there, develop and individualize a strategic plan to turn your baloney pony into a salami that could do it all like Shohei Otani, baby. If you want to reach your phallus totalis, cock diesel. If you want your trouser weasel to be the third leg on your easel, cock diesel. God damn it, if you need the force in your choder to be as big as it is in Yoda, Cock Diesel, go to CockDiesel.com right now and put in code word glory hole for 10% off making your cack the biggest in Fenway Pack there, kid. That's code word glory hole for 10% off getting the schlong the size of King Kong, baby. One more time, 10% off the tally whacker that will give you all the swagger with code word glory hole. Holy shit, guys, that uh, Cock Diesel is uh, a hell of a product. I got to admit, I have been popping some in me because if I can get some sort of shaman or medicine man or, you know, 
some kind of shady Jew doctor over here to revive my buddy. We're actually supposed to be in Vegas next weekend. And if I can uh, get him back to life and we get there, please come hang out with us. Uh, we'll buy you a fucking drink. We'll give you the pics that we got going on. And uh, we'll just shoot the shit and watch some fucking football and have a great fucking time. Uh, but in preparation for that, I've been trying to gain every inch on the competition that I possibly can. <laughs> If you know what I mean there, kid. Uh, so, yeah, Cock Diesel definitely support that product and that program. Uh, and a little word of advice, fellas, if you're really um, worried about the uh, timber in your member there, uh, go with an Asian girl because it always looks big in their hands. <laughs> and now it's time for the good. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, that's just fucking Great! That's just fucking great! The bad. Is this bad? Is this bad? Well, that's fucking not good. And the are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? God damn it, are you fucking with me? All right, boys and girls, as always, start with the good, and the good last week was fucking Huff, baby. Two and one in the NFL to the clients. Three and one on our private book. My buddy Longhorn hooked us up with a sweet fucking teaser that we hit, and he also hit four and one uh, on the Super Contest all by himself. I think it might have been his dying wish. Maybe he had like a premonition. I'm not sure, uh, but he was like, man, you know, let me take this one, see what I can do with it. I was like, you know what, buddy? Fucking have at it. And he fucking crushed it. He went 4-1. and one. All props and praise for closing out that contest very strong. Also, we ended up 9-4-1 on our season total over-under win bets for the NFL. 69% winning. We won five units before they ever even kicked off a goddamn football. Boys and girls, that is fucking winning, and we'll get into it here in a little bit on exactly how we did on all the records. But also, we hit our official best bet on the Natty that we gave out to the clients. We closed the bowl season on an 11-0 run. And on my personal book, I did have Georgia uh, minus the 2.5. I said something about that on the podcast last week. If you want to tie that into the uh, Moneyline Parlay, Probably would have been a better hedge spot. It didn't matter because about the bad we're about, because of the bad we're about to talk about. But at the end of the day, uh, very thankful to go on that run. That's I mean, to close a bowl season eleven and zero is one of those runs that you're just thankful that you got on, and you definitely don't uh, take it for granted, and you definitely don't get cocky about it because you know you just can't. You fuck in this business, you know you know that uh, you got to fucking stay even. We've had some lean times this year. We're in the fat time now, and we're enjoying the hell out of it, that's for sure. But to move on to the bad, it ain't all good. Move on to the bad, we tell ourselves we always fucking do. Oh, yeah, that was Philly. It was our only loss. Uh, It killed our money line parlay, which, quite frankly, our whole handicap was shot to hell the minute that we figured out that we just had it backwards, right? Our handicap on the game was one team was going to go out and play, and the other team was going to say, 
yeah, all this COVID shit, we got things locked up, fuck it, let's sit down. And we were absolutely right. What we were wrong on is we thought the team that would say, let's go win, would be Philly, and the team that would say, fuck it, would be Dallas. Exactly wrong. Uh, Dallas went out there and kicked the ever-living shit out of the stupid fucking Eagles, which doesn't break my heart, but, you know, it did fucking hurt us, so not the best thing in the world for us either. But now we're going to move on to the are you fucking kidding me? And this week, that one goes to us and the Colts. And it goes to us because, I mean, we said it right here on the podcast. We said we would not be shocked if Jacksonville won. And yet, we took a chance on another team carrying versus not carrying, which is the Philly-Dallas game, instead of just taking Jacksonville on the money line. And it goes to the Colts because, I mean, if you're a fan of Indianapolis, I'm going to put myself in your shoes for a second. If I'm a Colts fan... I've watched you play for six goddamn months. And all you had to do was beat Jacksonville, and you're in the playoffs. Now, if I offer that scenario to every team in the NFL, even Jacksonville, that all you had to do was beat Jacksonville, and you're in the playoffs before the season ever started, I would get 100% Sign up for that every fucking time. I mean, Indy, you had the absolute best case scenario for a win and get in of all fucking time. Jacksonville is literally the worst team we have ever had in our power rankings. Ever. And yes, that includes even last year's Jacksonville team, where they finished with the worst record in the league and got the number one pick. So not only do you not win Indy against the worst team that we've ever ranked, you go and get blown the fuck off the field by the worst team in the history of fucking football! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time! Oh my god! Okay, it's happening! Stay calm! What What do you think is happening right now? What's happening over here? Excuse me, what is happening here? What is happening? What the fuck just happened? Oh, you know what's happening. It's time for all those wins coming in the air tonight, baby! Alright boys and girls, it's time you've all been waiting for. It's time to go over every NFL game in the air tonight. But first, we're going to do our recap from our preseason predictions. Again, we went 9-4-1. and one. And as a reminder, we gave out every one of these picks in the preseason. Uh, we start in August. We go over two divisions per week for four weeks in August, leading up right up to the regular season kickoff. So if you missed it last year, don't 
miss it again next year because I promise you we will get you fucking paid. But to see exactly how good we did, uh, we have a little game we play. So we get one point for the division winner, prediction right, because that's the easiest part to predict. You get two points for calling the over-under right, and you get three points for the exact record correctly. So let's start off with the AFC East. I had the Bills winning the division, going 12-5. and five. The Patriots coming in third, going 8-9. and nine. Miami, 9-8, and eight, and the Jets bringing up the rear at 5-12. and 12. Uh, Longhorn had the Bills also going 12-5, and five, winning the division. Patriots at 10-7, second place. And then Miami at 8-9, and nine, and the Jets at 4-13. and 13. So how the points broke down. We both get one point for the Bills winning the division. Uh, they went 11-6, a little bit off on the record there by game. The Patriots, he had it 10 and 7. He gets three points for that. They went 10 and 7. He also gets two points because he had the over of nine and a half uh, on the Patriots. They won 10, so he hit that. And on the Jets, he gets two points because he had them going under the five, which they're over under at four and 13. And he got their exact record right, so he gets three points on that for a total of 11 points for Longhorn in that bracket. Uh, like I said, I got one point on the Bills, and I got three points on Miami. I said they were going to be 9-8. and eight. That's exactly what they finished up. And I got two points on the Jets for going under their over-under. So uh, that was six points for me, 11 points for Longhorn. So in the both he was right, and Longhorn it was wrong game. He is starting off with a five-point lead. Pretty healthy. Let's keep moving, though. We're going to go to the NFC North. I had Cleveland. Winning the division, 10-7. Baltimore coming in second, tied with them at 10-7. Cleveland winning on tiebreaker. Uh, that'll be ironic here in a second. I'll show you why. Pittsburgh going 9-8 and in third. And Cincy bringing up the rear at 6-11. Woof. Uh, Longhorn had Cleveland going 12-5, winning the division. Baltimore coming in second, 11-6. And, six. and uh, Pittsburgh at 9-8, same record as I had. And he had Cincy at 4-13. Again, woof. Now, what's ironic about me having Cleveland and Baltimore tied, but Cleveland winning the tiebreaker, is they actually did end up tied. Both of them at 8-9, and nine, uh, and Cleveland did win the tiebreaker to finish third, Baltimore finished fourth. On Longhorn's side of the bracket, he gets two points for Pittsburgh going over their season total of 8.5. He predicted 9-8. And on my side, I get two points for Cleveland going under their 10.5. I said 10-7. I get two points for Baltimore going under their 10.5. I said 10 and 7, and I got two points for Pittsburgh going over their 8.5. I said 9 and 8. So six points for me on that bracket. Longhorn gets two. We both get a big fucking donut for Cincy coming up and winning, and Joe Burrow sticking his cigar right up our fucking asses on that one. So that bracket, 6-2. So now you have a score of 12 to 13. Uh-oh, boys and girls, we got ourselves a ball game. Moving on to AFC South. All right, Tennessee winning the division, 10-7. Indy going 9-8, finishing second. Jacksonville 4-13, and, and Houston Texans 3-14, bring up the rear. Longhorn had Tennessee also win the division at 11-6. Uh, Indy finishing second at 10-7. Jacksonville 6-11. He thought a lot about them. Uh, and then Houston he also had at 3-14. So, point breakdown, a Longhorn side of the bracket. He gets one point for Tennessee winning the division. He gets two points. For Tennessee going over their 10 over under uh, preseason number. 
Uh, you got nothing on Indy. He got two points for Jacksonville going under their six and a half, as he predicted six wins. And then he gets a push on Houston uh, because they pushed their number right at four. So that is one, two, three, five points for Longhorn on that. On my side of the bracket, Tennessee, I get one point for the win, also on the division. Two points for the over, also. Indy, I get two points for them going over their season total, and I get three points. Oh, two, sorry, two points for them going under their season total, and three points for the exact record. I said they'd be 9-8. and eight. They did end up 9-8. and eight. Jacksonville, 4-13. and 13. I get the two points there for them going under, and Houston also got the push. So, ten points for me. Five points for Longhorn. Oh, boy. So it's 22 to uh, 18 at this point. We're going to finish up the AFC West. All right. Uh, I had Kansas City going 12-5, and five, winning the division. I had the Chargers going 8-9, and nine, coming in second. Denver, 7-10, third. And Las Vegas, 6-11. Woof on that one. Longhorn had... The Chargers 12 and 5 winning the division. Yeah, he had the Chargers 12 and 5 winning the division. He drinks, guys. He, I mean, obviously, he fell down and died. He drinks. Just, you know, it is what it is. He had Kansas City going 11 and 6, and he had Denver going 8 and 9, and Las Vegas going 5 and 12. Again, Wolf on that. So, how the points break down? He gets no points, and God, God have mercy on his soul for giving LAC. 12 wins. Uh, Kansas City, 11 and 6. He gets two points for going under their season total on that one. Denver, 8 and 9. He gets two points for Denver going under their season total of 8.5. And, and no points on Vegas. So four points for his side of the bracket, my side of the bracket. Kansas City, get a point for winning the division. Kansas City, I get two points for them going under at 12 and 5. Kansas City, I get three points because they went 12 and 5. Uh, Chargers, I get two points going 8-9. They went under their season total. Denver, I get two points because they went under their season total of 8.5. I predicted 7-10. and 10, And I got three points because they went 7-10. and 10. And I got jack shit on Vegas. So 13 points on that division. Big fucking booyah from my side. Four points, a little beer in a can on Longhorn's side. So we finish out the AFC. 35, me, 22 Longhorn. Oh, boys and girls, I think you see how this is going now. <laughs> this guy sucks. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. All right, let's flip over to the NFC now. Start with the NFC East. I had Dallas going 10-7, and win the division. Washington 9-8, and coming in second. Giants 6-11, and and Philly bringing up the rear at 4-13. and Woof! Longhorn had uh, Washington actually winning the division at 10-7. and Cowboys coming in at 9 and 8. Uh, the Giants coming at 7 and 10. And Philly also coming in last at 4 and 13. Ugh. All right. So Longhorn side of the bracket. He got no points for the Cowboys. They did. They won the division. He had them going under. They went over. Obviously not the right record. No points for the Redskins. No points for the Giants because they. He said 7 and 10, um, which was over. They're, actually, that was a push on their season total, and they went under it. And 4-13 and for Philly obviously missed that all the ways possible. My side of the bracket, uh, Dallas winning the division. I get a point. Uh, I had them going over their 9.5 season total. I get two points for that. 
Washington, big donuts, and I get two points for the Giants going under their season total of seven. I had them six and 11. And again, they only won four fucking games. So that's uh, five points for me. Donuts for Longhorn and NFC East. Moving on, NFC North. I had Green Bay, 12 and 5, winning the division. Minnesota, 9 and 8, coming in second. Chicago, 6 and 11. Detroit bringing up the rear at 4 and 13. Uh, Longhorn had Minnesota winning the division. Again, boys and girls, the man has a drinking problem. He had him 11 and 6. He had Green Bay, 10 and 7. He had Chicago, 7 and 10. And he had Detroit, 4 and 13, the same as me. So, points, you get nothing on Minnesota and Lockett. You get nothing on Green Bay and Lockett. Chicago, he does get two points for going under the eight. How? First of all, the over-under total for Chicago, just to bog down for a second. I mean, it was seven and a half. How you ever thought that fucking team was going to win eight games? It's fucking, y'all, that was such an easy bet. He gets two points for that. And then a Detroit, uh, yeah, 4-13 prediction. That was under their season total of five. And they only won three. So they couldn't even live up to a four-win expectation. But he does get two points for that. So four points total for Longhorn on that side of the bracket. My side, Green Bay. I get a point for uh, them winning the division. I get two points for them going over their season total. Minnesota, I got a big fat zero on that one. Uh, I had nine and eight. They went eight and nine. Chicago, I get two points for them going under, and I also get three points because I said they'd be six and eleven, and they went six and eleven. And I had Detroit four and thirteen again. Two points there for going under the total. So another ten points for me there. Four points for Longhorn. At least he's on the board, boys and girls in the NFC. We're gonna move on to the NFC South. I had the top of Brady. Buccaneers. I actually gave this out as a best bet, too, on the over. I had them going 13-4, and four, winning the division. I had New Orleans going 9-8, and eight, coming in second. I had Atlanta going 7-10, and 10, and I had Carolina going 6-11. and 11. Uh, Longhorn also had Tampa Bay going 13-4. and four. He had New Orleans going 8-9. and nine. He had Atlanta 6-11, and 11, and he had Carolina 5-12. and 12. So this was a great division for both of us. Starting off, both of us, Tampa Bay, one point for win the division, two points for the over, three points for the exact record. They went 13-4. and four. Uh, On Longhorn side, New Orleans, 8-9. and nine. He gets zero points for that all the way around. Atlanta, 6-11. and 11. He gets two points for the under. Seven and a half was their season total. And on Carolina, he gets two points for the under, which seven and a half was their season total. And he gets three points because he said five and 12, and they finished exactly Five and twelve. Longhorn got thirteen points on that division. Awesome job. My side of the bracket. I already told you I got the one, two, three on Tampa Bay, New Orleans. I said they'd be nine and eight. They finished nine and eight. Atlanta. I get two points for them going under seven and a half. I said they'd be seven and ten. They finished seven and ten. And Carolina. I get two points there for them going under their season total. I did have six and eleven, so I was off by game there. They they were a little bit short of my expectations. Total, I get 16 points there to Longhorns 13. Great division for both of us, though. Fucking killed it. Moving on to the NFC West. We did not have any bets in this division. We thought this would be the best division of football. 
And honestly, it did not disappoint. There's three fucking teams in the division in the playoffs, as we predicted on the preseason podcast. They just exactly weren't the same three teams that we said. So, I will spare you the drama. We had the exact same record on every single team. We had San Francisco 12 and, or 12 and 5, Rams 11 and 6, Seattle 10 and 7, Arizona 8 and 9, uh, we both only get two points for the Rams going over their season total. That's it, and that's all. Everything else was uh, was a push on San Francisco because they pushed on their season total. Everything else was a total miss. So, But three of the four teams we did have in the playoffs, three or four teams got in. We just did not see Arizona making the jump, but they did make the jump. We both get two points in that division. So total on that side was 33-19. So if you add it up, total score, Bo Cephas, 68, Longhorn, 41. Utter domination in that, boys and girls, is how we play where Bo Cephas was right and where Longhorn was wrong. <laughs> this man is a genius. All right, boys and girls, now we're going to get into the playoff games. We're going to go try to in chronological order. Easy for me to say. Right, we're going to start with uh, up in Cincinnati where the Bengals are hosting our Las Vegas Raiders. And they are five and a half point home favorites. So I'm going to give you what Longhorn's notes are and then mine. I apologize if this is a little bit clunky working with several screens here. But uh, Longhorn said this is absolutely the danger zone game of the week. Um, you know, Vegas is one of those unexplainable teams. They were one of our four losses in our over-under bets. And they finished with a negative power rating, which what that means historically is uh, like, for example, this year, teams that finished with a negative power rating and our power ratings went 10-2-1 to the under. Those stupid fucking Texans being the only push. The only two teams that beat the numbers were Vegas and Pittsburgh, which I got some of my notes on that in a second. But I think his best point here is that Vegas is coming off a short rest. Uh, you know, they're mentally beat up. They're physically beat up. That was an overtime game. They had to play an extra quarter. Uh, the motivation's obviously key on both sides i mean it's it's 100 it's the playoffs but vegas has honestly been in the playoffs for about the last three weeks how long can you keep that up i'm not sure but he had a great note in here about the first matchup where vegas or since he kicked the shit out of vegas but it was a little bit misleading it was 32 to 13 but burrow had only 148 yards on 29 attempts so something that vegas did fundamentally defensively really bar uh, bar, uh, uh bothered the cincinnati passing game and the only reason why uh, Vegas went on to lose that is because they had, uh, I think that game was tied in the, three, in the third quarter, and then they had like three turnovers after that. So that's what really did Vegas in on that one. So he's definitely leaning to the five and a half in Vegas on his handicap and on mine. Vegas beating us, like beating the numbers and beating us, one of the biggest key factors, they were the second most helped team in the NFL by penalties this year as far as what improved their winning percentage. So as you track winning percentages throughout the game, it obviously rises and falls depending on the flow of the game. But Vegas on game-changing plays was helped second most the entire NFL by penalties, and that's how you overcome you know, being a statistical outlier, how you become a statistical outlier, I guess I should say, is those key penalties in those key spots, not just being the most penalized or least penalized. It's actually when they happen and the point of the game they happen. And for whatever reason, Vegas caught the second best of that in the entire NFL. Now, 
what I went through and did is did some research on our power ratings. I put teams into buckets, and by situational matchup, by in the in the wild card round. So one of the matchups is a positive team versus a negative team in our power ratings. Uh, Las Vegas obviously being the negative team once again. The negative team in the wild card round is one and three straight up and two and two against the spread. But the better power rating team at home, which is Cincy, is two and five in this round straight up and one and six ATS. So and you're going to keep hearing that uh, throughout pretty much every game. I think every game pretty much falls into that bucket. So. You're looking at pretty much a 50-50 split on the straight-up numbers between those two things. The ATS definitely does favor Vegas about 85% really on that trend line. Um, I did bet Vegas on the money line early in the week. I probably regret that a little bit now. However, um, I do still love Vegas to cover this game. Uh, Longhorn lean that way. I really like Vegas to actually cover this, this 55 and give Cincy everything they got. And I think this is honestly going to be a shootout. Uh, I actually teased the over on this one in part of a teaser parlay. I teased it down to 40, 42, I believe is where I got it at. So I like Vegas and the over uh, on this game. On a teaser. All right, we're going to move on to Buffalo. Where, let's go Buffalo. Those Bills are hosting the New England Patriots. Four and a half point home favorites in this one now long run is right up uh made a pretty good note about mac jones in the last game um and we're not counting the first game basically because of the win obviously when you have a game that has that kind of you know outlying uh factors that are both both teams had to play in it so we're not making excuses but as far as the statistical data goes and as far as the gameplay goes when the factors are that bad that it, it miscue you know it miscues the gameplay and the stats that badly, you have to discount both. So as a handicapper, you always have to look at, like, what do the results tell you? And then inside of the results, what do the numbers tell you? In that game, I don't think we could take very much at all from that. I know we're in agreement on that. But he had a couple good notes here on the last game where Buffalo really handled New England. Uh, he said Mac Jones had two, turnover thro- two turnovers on two turnover-worthy throws. So 100%, that generally doesn't happen. In fact, Josh Allen had two turnover-worthy throws. Both interceptions were dropped, and I believe if memory serves me correctly, one of those was a pick six that could have put New England in the lead in that game at one point. So uh, Buffalo has not exactly looked dominant in the last few games against shit teams. They did run it up eventually uh, against the Jets, you know, but it was 13-10 going into that fourth quarter. And, you know, against Atlanta, they barely didn't cover by the hook, but Atlanta did have... A touchdown taken off the board because their quarterback uh, gave himself up on the one and then got up and spiked the ball in the guy's face because he thought he scored a touchdown because he's old and stupid. (laughs) So, I mean, I think that was the most of his notes. Um, They're very, he said they're very close in PFF grades. Actually, New England is graded higher slightly, which, you know what, our power rankings reflect pretty much close to the same thing so on my side of it uh it's one of those buckets i had to put teams in teams better than the other team the power rating by less than one point in this round one and two straight up one and two ats that would be buffalo again the better power rating team at home buffalo two and five straight up one and six ats i mean overall i think buffalo does win this game 
mostly because of the experience with the quarterback. And quite honestly, Belichick has no had no answers for Josh Allen. Again, if you take out the win game in his last two games before that, he's thrown for 634 yards, seven touchdowns, and zero interceptions. So, long story short, Belichick has no real answer for the big kid there in Buffalo. But I do think that Belichick is a good enough coach with his offensive coordinator that will figure out something somehow for New England to go score the ball a little bit better than they did in the last matchup. This is a number split overall, uh, but I think you see the trend line going towards New England and the spread. I think that's where we're leaning here, and due to the historical power rating um, information, I think that's the only way that we can really get at this game is New England plus the four and a half. All right, moving on to those Tom Brady Buccaneers, and they are hosting those goddamn dirty Philadelphia Eagles. Right now, consensus eight and a half point home favorites. Uh, Longhorns notes on this one. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and discount them a little bit, but he does like Tampa Bay on a teaser down. That's probably a pretty strong play. Actually, I, I played that in the teaser leg, so I actually like that play a lot. Uh, he's just kind of warning about, you know, Philly's a little bit different team. Running now more than they used to, and or what they did in the first matchup for sure. And uh, Tampa has fallen to number 10 overall, DVOA against the run. However, uh, start off with the buckets. Tampa Bay, again, better power rating team at home. 2-5 and five straight up, 1-6 ATS. But Philly is also in a particular bucket in our power ratings where those teams have gone 2-6 and six straight up. And three and four ATS in the wild card. So honestly, to me, both of those cancel out. As far as the game itself, it's pretty simple to me. Tampa Bay has lost three games to two teams, and then another one to the uh, Redskins. But that was an outlier. But the Saints and the Rams are the two the two teams that beat in three games. Both are top five DVOA defenses. They also struggled against Dallas, who's number two, and New England, who's number four. And Buffalo, who's number one, that game went to overtime. So basically, you got to be one of the best five defenses in football, and Tom's going to have to work to beat you. Well, Philly's 25th, and the Bucks already did blow them out on the road. I know the final score was only six. I know we hit the back door. I remember the game, right? But the Eagles scored eight points with about four minutes left in that game to cut it to six, and then they never saw the ball again because Philly's gotten away with having a terrible defense all year, because they can run the ball and keep them off the field to limit their exposure. But even though Tampa's fallen to 10th, it's still tough to run on them. And what people do not realize about Tampa they're sleeping on is the fact they're now top 10 in passing DVOA. Their defense is really rounding into shape. Maybe it's just getting a little bit more balanced as we give a little bit give a little bit more with the run so they could take some more with the pass, getting ready for the playoffs. Philly only had 200 yards in the first matchup. I don't see that improving very much. In fact, Todd Bowles has consistently shown, unless you're Sean Payton, he gets better against you every time he plays you. Just ask Mahomes. I think Tampa Bay wins. The numbers say Phillies cover. Um, I know that's the way Longhorn was leaning. I'm not too sure about that. And this one, number went from 9 to 8. It's been back to 9, 8 and a half. It's bouncing all over the place now. The one thing the Longhorn did point out, there could be some weather coming in. It says... 25, 30 miles an hour, maybe a monsoon coming in Tampa Bay. That is probably not going to help out Tampa very much. However, I mean, I think the teaser leg is good overall. 
if I had to lay the side though, I probably actually would lay the eight and a half to eight. You can get it at DraftKings right now. Uh, I just don't think that Philly is or has enough sustainable offense in the end of, at the end of the day to stay within that point spread of Tampa. I surely would not take Philly, and um, but I think his pick of the Tampa Bay minus two and a half is probably the way to go on this one if you can find something up to pair it up on a uh, teaser leg. All right, we're going to move on to those Dallas Cowboys. And they're three-point home favorites versus the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, Longhorn says this is the hit-that-sounder game of the weekend. A bad matchup for Dallas and situationally. He likes the fact that San Francisco is coming in battle-tested and coming in the playoffs in survival mode. They've been there for a while. Uh, you know, Dallas did have that win last week against Philly and all their backups. Um, you know, that might have them feeling good, but it's a little bit kind of a uh, false bravado. He says Dallas is 22nd in PFF of rush defense. Um, and on top of that, I got some notes on the he said the outside running game. Well, that's what San Francisco does. Now, San Francisco is vulnerable on the back end, so but they're getting a couple people back this week. And, you know, they should be able to pressure Dak, and if you pressure Dak, we've seen he he can be very inaccurate. And San Francisco is the fourth in PFF at pass rush, um, so literally everything points to an upset. Now um, I've got some stuff on my side on this one, and I'll just as I'm looking it up. The only caveat to this, the only caveat that slows me down, is the fact that everybody, everybody, is picking San Francisco. And I fucking hate that because anytime that, you know, all the dummies on TV can get it right or think they've got it right, I really like to go the other way because they never know what the fuck they're talking about. And every Tom, Dick, and Harry on TV and radio is picking San Francisco, so that does worry me. However, here's some numbers inside the matchup, and I'll do the buckets in a second, but this is why I can't do any... And I went looking for Dallas. I went looking just to try to, you know, steer us away from... What seems to be the public dog darling this week, but I just couldn't find it. So here's what I did find. Yards after catch allowed by cornerbacks in the NFL. Travion Diggs, third worst, 425. Jordan Lewis, 326. That's number seven. Anthony Brown, 13 at 300 yards. So the Cowboys' literal three starting cornerbacks are in the all three in the top 15 worst at yards after catch allowed. Uh, why is that important? Because San Francisco is the second best yards after catch team in the NFL. And San Francisco is also the number one team in the NFL when it comes to passing explosive plays. Right? Number three in that category, and that's defined by any pass play that goes by 20, 20 yards or more. Number three in that category is Las Vegas. Cal's lost to them. Number four is New England. That game went to overtime. Number six is Arizona. Cal's lost to them. Number eight is Tampa Bay. Cal's lost to them. And then on the rushing side of the matchup, as my buddy alluded to in his notes, every single team that Dallas has lost to this year, with with the exception of Arizona, is top ten at running the ball on the edge of the defense. San Francisco is another one of those teams. We told you early in the year, that's what Denver does. That's how they're going to attack the weakness and win, and they absolutely fucking did it. I see the same thing here. So San Francisco matchup-wise is the worst-case scenario. 
for Dallas against their run defense and the worst case scenario for Dallas against their pass defense. And there's absolutely a coaching advantage to San Francisco is that fat, dumb plumber that uh, Dallas has their coach. He ain't going to fucking help you, boys and girls. I promise you that. Now, inside the bucket numbers on from the power rankings uh, perspective, Dallas, again, better power rating team at home. Two and five straight up, one and six ATS. Dallas better than less, by less than one point. One and two straight up, one and two ATS. So everything, everything, everything pointing to San Francisco by the gameplay and the numbers. And then if you look at Dallas versus the NFC East and everybody else, so versus the NFC East, 6-0, 40 points per game, point differential of 133 versus everybody else. Their record 6-5 with 26.5 points a game, 39-point point differential. And if you take out Atlanta, they're actually 5-5 five five with a point differential net of 1. And then the last thing I've got on this game is that everybody keeps telling me, oh, Jimmy G's the weak link. Jimmy G's going to turn over. Jimmy G, Jimmy G, Jimmy G. And we got Dak. We got Dak. Well, boys and girls, Jimmy G was 4th in EPA plus CPOA. Dak is 13th. So I'm not saying that Dak's not good. I'm not saying that Jimmy G can't be bad. But what I am saying is, all things considered, Jimmy G had a lot better season than Dak inside the efficiency numbers and that is where money is made and uh again the only the only fucking thing that scares me is that everybody's picking san francisco that's what scares me because oh i just fucking hate i hate that i hate it i hate it and i also hate the fact that this line hasn't moved an inch so with all these talking heads and all this bullshit this line is stuck it opened at three it stayed at three it's still at three as I'm recording this right now. I don't like that. I don't like that. But analytically, you know, gameplay wise, there is no other way to play this game except San Francisco taking the three. And uh, personally, you know, taking San Francisco on the money line. That's that's really the only way that I can get at it is both of those angles. And you know what? It could come back to kick us in the ass, but I responsibly i don't know how i don't know how you handicap this game any other way even with everybody else you know seeing to be able to see it you also have to remember too in the playoffs there are only six games you know the public does win you know some money in the playoffs um especially in these earlier rounds you know more than they generally do in the regular season so we'll see we'll see but san francisco is definitely the way we are leaning on that one all right we're moving on to the sunday night matchup kansas city Host those Pittsburgh Steelers. They're 12 and a half point home favorites. Now, we are squarely at odds in this game. Um, but Longhorn does have a really good trend here. If you want to lay the points with Kansas City, uh, home wildcard wild card favorites of 10 or more since 1996 are 8-0 straight up and ATS. So we know there's likely going to be one blowout game this weekend. It's either going to be this one or the Tampa Bay-Philly game. He thinks it's going to be this one. I don't think so. I don't think so. And I've only got a couple of things on it, the reasons why. And they're mostly all, I mean, they're all going to be power rating bucket base pretty much. So biggest gap, which this is the biggest gap between and power ratings uh, this weekend, you know, straight up and against the spread. Straight up, one and one. 
for the dog and two and O ATS for the dog. So biggest gap, the dog generally does cover this number. Now, negative team power rating, which Pittsburgh does have, versus the team with a positive rating against one and three straight up, two and two ATS. So ATS numbers get dented a little bit there, but better team power rating home again, two and five straight up, one and six ATS. And KC is the other team in that bucket who are two and six straight up and three and four ATS. So again, I actually love Pittsburgh here with the points. Um, honestly, wouldn't be shocked if they won. I would not be shocked if Pittsburgh pulled the ultimate upset and went out and won this game. I mean, your probability is not high. If you wanted to take a flyer on the money line, I wouldn't be mad at you. But to bet anything but the plus 12 and a half, personally, I think is a mistake. I know my buddy feels opposite. We're split on this one. Probably not any action there. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any advantage for you guys out there anywhere. There is not. It's 12 and a half everywhere. So you're going to have to just pick a pick a fucking side on this one. And, uh, you know, who are you going to follow? I don't know. It's up to you guys. That That's the whole point of this whole fucking thing, isn't it? We love to fucking gamble. We love fucking football. And sometimes you just got to fucking flip a coin, baby. You just got to fucking flip a coin. And I hope mine lands on the fat rapist. Ha, <laughs> All right, moving on to the last game, the Monday Night Football game. It's the L.A. Rams hosting the Arizona Circus Midgets. They're coming to town, and the Rams are consensus four-point home favorites. Uh, My buddy is torn on this game. Didn't have a lot on it, but he did have a really good trend there. Wild card dogs of under seven points since 2013 are 28-14 ATS and this year on the road Arizona is 8-1 ATS so when the circus midget comes to town he usually fucking comes to town and burns some fucking tents down on his way out so that's a pretty good trend that's some pretty good numbers there Uh, the only thing that I have on this game myself is again the power ranking buckets uh, better power ranking team at home 2-5 straight up 1-6 ATS however the Rams are in a bracket where teams go 2-1 and one straight up and 2-1 and one ATS, and they're actually in a bracket in our power rankings where most of the Super Bowl winners come from. I also do not have a great feel on this game. I've been on the Rams for about a month now, saying, look out, this is the team to beat. I grabbed a ticket on them to win the division about five or six weeks ago. That paid off for me. I got a Super Bowl future on them. Uh, and historically, McVay does very well in the playoffs. They will be prepared. They will be ready to roll. And Arizona faded down the stretch. Shaka! That another coach bro team faded down the stretch. They've only won one game in the last month, I think. Beat, you know, Dallas, who, again, Dallas does not do very well against anybody outside the NFC East. So not a huge shocker there. I would have to lean to the Rams. He leans Arizona. I have to lean to the Rams to lay the points. That's probably square on the points. Um... But if they get Arizona down, they're just going to run it down their throat and then tee off on the midget if they can find him back there. You know, I know that's a tough task. Uh, in the season matchups, they both went one and one. They both won very comfortably. Probably not any action on me on this one, except putting the Rams in a money line parlay. Uh, that probably will be the way that I get at this game. But we'll see how the weekend goes and how the numbers play out. And if if we're kind of locked in through our picks, don't be surprised if we fire on this one one way or the other. But um, he leans Arizona. I lean the Rams. Another one kind of split. The numbers are split on this one too. 
tough matchups, but that's what you want to see, right? It's the wild card weekend, and we're fucking here for it, baby. And that was all. Then wins coming to the air tonight, baby. All right, boys and girls, time you all been waiting for. It's time for the free SF free picks of the week. My buddies put together a three-team money line parlay for your ass. It is New England. It is San Francisco, and it is Arizona. And those three teams will pay you 17 to 1, and you do the money dance if my buddy's right. So a little pizza money there for you. I've got some free picks for you. They're going to be player props, and I'm going to tell you how to get them at, get at them with the parlay as well. Number one, I got Big Ben, over one and a half passing touchdowns, plus 170. Derek Carr, over one and a half passing touchdowns, minus 110. I really think that game is going to be a shootout. Hurts, over 49, 49 and a half rushing yards, minus 111. That's really the only way that they're going to be able to move the ball consistently, consistently is him running. I actually had a uh, best bet on him over 650 rushing yards season for total or total for the season. Uh, that cashed easily. I think he made it over 800, so easy win there. And then Josh Allen, lastly, over 21.5 completions, minus 105. Uh, they don't even attempt to run the ball in Buffalo. They said, fuck all that noise. They're just going to let his big, dumb country ass go out there and throw it as many times as fucking possible. Surely he can complete 22 of them, right? Surely. Uh, and if you parlay all those together, you get it at 17.5 to 1. So $10 will make you 175 and holla, baby. So get after those free picks. Uh, boys and girls, that's going to do it for episode 112 of the FGH podcast. Uh, we thank each and every one of you listening and tuning in each week. I apologize that my buddy uh, passed away right here on the sports patio Maybe I can revive him. Maybe I can get him back on his feet and uh, get out to Vegas with me and bring you another podcast next week. Hopefully we make some more winners for you as we've been doing all year again. We've been on fucking fire in the NFL. Finished college 11-0. We're going to go cash in nine tickets next weekend in Vegas. Uh, If you're out there, come see us. We'll be downtown. That's our fucking spot. If you know, then you already fucking know. If not, fucking hit us up on uh, any of our social media. DM us. Our DMs are up, ladies. You know our DMs are open. They're always open. <laughs> and fellas, too. Fellas, too. Of course, the fellas. No. Uh, come hit us up. We'll fucking buy you a beer. We'll tell some fucking war stories, and uh, we'll have a great fucking time, man. We've had a great time. It's another great season here on FGH. It's playoff time, baby. We're getting close to wrapping this whole thing up, and then the long winter of death that Joe Biden predicted all of us sets in. The depression of the anti-football sets in. But before we face all that, we're going to win some more goddamn money on our way out the fucking door. So, uh, like my buddy always says, sign up, buy a package or some shit like that, and fucking drink beer and never pay a book again. Steven Tyler, take us out, brother!